This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 168. Identifying the ideal career, uh, we perceive that to be what is an ideal situation for you and identifying what that ideal situation is, not an ideal job or job title. Because when you identify it that way, it's often incomplete and it's missing a few of the most important variables that really actually makes you happy within your career. Hey, HTYCers. If you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight-day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. Now, we get to bring on all kinds of experts like Emily Wapnick, who helps people that don't have just one true calling, or people that have pretty amazing stories like Kirby Fursellis, who found her ideal job not once but twice by learning her strengths and focusing on those. These are people that are just like you. They've gone from where they are what they really want to be doing. And today we have a bit of a different episode. And I know I've said that so many times in the past, but this is different because I don't have a guest today. I don't have a guest today because I had something that was incredibly important to talk to you about. And it's it's one of by far one of the most requested set or pieces more sets of information, pieces of sets, I don't know, information that we get emailed about all the time. And I wanted to be able to put this together just to put together almost a a how-to guide for what you can do to actually go step-by-step to find a job and particularly a career that you love and you're excited about. And at least most days, you can't wait to get up in the morning and actually go to do that thing because it happens differently than almost everybody thinks that it does. And we realize that even though we've produced, oh my goodness, uh, this is episode 168. So um, getting close, we're approaching 200 episodes, which blows me away uh, after getting, yeah, right about, uh, right about four years, I guess. So absolutely blows me away that, uh, that that's the case, but we wanted to be able to actually put together this, this single episode that takes you through the overview of this process and not only, not only the overview of this process, but at the same time, diving in with some examples on each and how to do each each piece of it. So here's here's what I mean specifically and what we're going to cover today. We're going to uh, cover step one, which is really identifying your ideal career, give you a ton of resources on how to do exactly that. And this piece, we've we've devoted entire separate podcasts and trainings to, uh, to really identifying what fits you. And we'll start with that, but then we'll go step two, 
how to use that to identify organizations that you think might fit what it is you actually want for a career. And then from there, how to actually reach out to companies that you think would be a great fit based on what you learned in steps one and steps two. So that's, that's it. That's what we're covering today. And this is, this is the single biggest thing that we have had requests about as people learn more and more and more about how to make these incredibly difficult career changes. Because often when, when people come to us, they're not like, Hey, I am an HR generalist and I want to go to HR manager. No, we don't, we don't get those types of requests occasionally, but for the most part, it's like, Hey, I am an accountant and I'm trying to figure out what I really want to do. I think it might be something along the lines of museum curator, but I'm not really sure. And I want to first of all learn what I what I should be doing and then I want to learn how to do it. So those are the types of really incredible incredibly difficult sometimes requests. And First of all, the biggest part is really identifying what it is that uh, they want to do. So we're gonna we're gonna get into all that here, and just to just to start out, let's let's begin with why why do people come why why do even do this differently? Because that's really our theme here. First of all, we we know, and there's so many studies to support that the average person really isn't isn't that excited about their their current role, their current job, their current career situation, right? And you could certainly make a case that that most of us don't know how to necessarily enjoy the journey, and that's uh, that's what causes a lot of the unhappiness. But I think it's a lot bigger than just that piece. It's it's a lot bigger than just a lack of, I don't know, mindfulness skills, if you will. And instead, it is often a misalignment with what you value and what is important to you and what you are great at or have the potential to be great at, particularly what we call signature strengths, and then a few other pieces that fall into there too. So that's 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 where we start. And in order to get rid of that misalignment, when the average person has that misalignment in their life in one way, shape, or form, then you have to do things quite a bit differently than the average person to be able to make a change. Okay, so that part's obvious, right? <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Tell us something that we don't already know. <laughs> to get different results, we have to do something differently. All right. Now I'm done being Captain Obvious. Let's talk about what that actually is and can look like. So step one is really identifying your ideal career. When people come to us, they're usually thinking, how do I identify my ideal job or job title or uh, something else along those lines? And what is my ideal career path? That is the wrong question. And we've got entire, entire podcasts on this. Um, we literally put together a training, a 10, uh, I think it's, I can't remember now whether it's eight or nine episodes, but if you go over to figureitout.co, um, that's uh, that's one place that we've we've put together a mini course on that. Another place and a much more extensive place is go to iTunes or any place that you can search podcasts and then search what fits you. 
type in what fits you. And we've got a, it's a podcast, but it's actually intended to be listened to from the beginning straight through. It's an audio course type format. So you can, you can go over there and use that as a resource. And that in itself is an entire training just on how to identify the ideal career, because it's not the way that you think about it. Identifying the ideal career, uh, we perceive that to be what is an ideal situation for you and identifying what that ideal situation is, not an ideal job or job title, not, you know, I want to be the HR manager or I want to be in medical or I want to be in whatever else. Because when you identify it that way, it's often incomplete and it's missing a few of the most important variables that really actually makes you happy within your, your career, your time that you spend at work, because so much of us, we, we spend so much time at work and we fail to, uh, fail to see those other pieces. And we try and assign it to one thing. And the reality is it's not just one thing. So let's talk about what it actually is. And there's some basics. Let's, let's cover some of these basics for everyone, for what you need to have an ideal um, ideal view of, of your career or an ideal picture of what, uh, what your next career step could look like and should look like for you to have a much higher percentage chance of making sure that it's fulfilling for you. Okay. So here's, here's some basics and there's a number of studies to be able to support this, but thing number one is, is the work, is the work something that goes against your strengths or does it work with your strengths? So particularly the things that you're good at and have a tendency to gravitate to. And I'm not talking about necessarily your passions in particular. Like if you've got a passion for eating spaghetti, like I do, I love good Italian food. You know, that it doesn't necessarily mean should automatically be made a career. But instead, is this something that it works with your strengths versus against your strengths? And that's, that's thing number one. And again, we can cover, we've got an entire, entire podcast, uh, helping you understand that. Uh, we've got a variety of tools on our site, strength finder 2.0. If you go to happen to your career.com strengths finder, then strengths, plural finder, then that'll take you to an assessment that'll help you begin to understand how to quantify and identify your strengths. And that's just the beginning. Um, then you get into what are your signature strengths, which is uh, what we define as those, those things that both you are great at, but also have a tendency to enjoy. And a lot of times it's not necessarily activities so much as it is a mix of personality and the way that you're wired and uh, things that you happen to be good at on top of that, um, predispositions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the important part here is that's, that's thing number one. Second thing is, is the work engaging for you? Now, this is, this is a variable or it can be a variable that differs slightly for, for everybody. But some of the most important things when you dive into a number of studies are, do you have, do you have clarity on what uh, what the work in is there a defined start and end that is that is something i heard over and over and over again as an hr manager when 
you know, people, people didn't understand where the start work started and ended and it was so ambiguous, then they couldn't relate to it and it wasn't engaging for them. Is there variety in the types of tasks? Because if you're doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over again, you are not engaged, you are not stimulated, your brain is not stimulated, and it eventually ends up being boring for you. And the last uh, last two of them are, do you have do you have the ability or freedom to make the decision for how you're doing the work, how you're doing the work? And that's that's kind of the opposite of micromanagement, right? Nobody really likes to be micromanaged. So it's kind of the opposite of that. And the the other piece of that is, are you getting some type of feedback? Is there a feedback loop in some way or multiple feedback loops so that you know how well you're doing? And if you're in absence of those things, it's highly likely that the work isn't going to be engaging for you. Okay, so here's here's another piece of that. Do you work with people like your boss that you perceive as a, as a good boss and being supportive of you and being there for you, if you will, in one way or another. And the same thing is true for other people that you work with. Uh, there's a number of studies that, that, that show that your boss is possibly one of the most important pieces or your direct supervisor. And at least it shows up fairly high up there in, in being a pretty big deal about whether or not whether or not you are excited about your job, but the other people that play into that role are the people that you're working with on a daily basis. So are those people, are those people there? Are they creating a supportive environment in one way or another? And the other, other piece of that is uh, there's, there's some basics that are true for not everybody, but a lot of people. If you're working just incredibly long hours and really extensive hours, um, that's a that's a big deal. If you don't feel like you're getting paid fairly, compensated fairly, or treated fairly, then that's also a big deal. And if you feel like there's a ton of time in there that is a waste of time, then th- this is, you know, like I used to commute two hours, two hours. And every single day in that two hours, hey, I got to listen to a lot of podcasts, which was pretty cool. But at the same time, I felt like that that was time that was essentially a waste of time in my life. And that made the job, regardless of what the actual job was in itself, it made it a bad deal for me. Okay, so there's all those things. And then the very last one, but possibly one of the most important one is, does that job role whatever it is, however it is, does it fit with what you value in the rest of your life? So whether you're there at the job and it's not going against your values or whether it allows you to do some of the other things that are also important to you within the rest of your life, then those are, those are the, the five biggest things that we see again and again and again and come up and they're all parts of whether or not a career actually fits you, which means, of course, of course, this means that if you're looking at any one of these pieces or you're looking at purely is this, is this, you know, is HR right for me or is operations management right for me or I'm really interested in research, is research right for me, then you're kind of missing the point. And instead, we want you to be able to look at the much, much larger picture. So that's that's why when we sit down and we help people put together that 
uh, well, we call it our profile. We call it your ideal career profile. We're incorporating all of those pieces into the mix. Because without them, well, (laughs) you're shooting in the dark sometimes. I was sure that I needed to make changes in my career, but there were so many options that I was stuck. Cindy is a chief financial officer for a small nonprofit in Fresno, California. While completing the exercises, she made a discovery. What I knew about myself in advance was, I need to look for improvements. I need to make those improvements. And I also know I don't do maintenance. What I didn't know, there was an underlying theme between the two. The reason I need to make the improvements is because I work hard not to get bored. It was an epiphany. However, it seemed that she was the last one to find out. I took my shiny new discovery to my family and they were happy to validate, yeah, that's the reason that they thought I did these things. Without the exercises and the figure it out eight day course, I would remain blind to a clarifying truth that everyone else thought that I already knew and therefore they weren't talking about it. I'm now concentrating on work in a consulting industry that will be project-based so I can complete things and move on to the next thing, alleviating the boredom. The HTYC 8-Day Figure It Out course helped Cindy realize something that was obvious to everyone but her. What could it do to help you discover so that you can make an impactful change for your life and career? To take the course for yourself, text HTYC to 38. Four seven zero. That's HTYC to three eight four seven zero, or just simply go to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Okay, so we want to have all of those pieces in there. Now, let's say that you've gone to the gone to the trouble to take what you know, take what you know and what you've identified about yourself and what's important to you and what uh, what particular type of um, environment is great for you and what you value, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you already know some of those basic needs for you, your strengths. Let's say that you've already got that stuff, and we're going to skip over uh, a whole bunch of the work. But you know, after after you have that, then when we sit down with people to create that ideal career profile after that ideal career profile and that picture of what your career could look like minus the job title, because job titles are different in every organization, first of all, and we already established it's kind of missing the point. So instead we take that ideal career profile and we start to go on to step two, which is identifying organizations that you think might fit this and think about this almost is like when you were in i don't know fourth grade science and you're learning about how to make a hypothesis and then how to test that hypothesis well what you're going to do is the next two steps are really going to be creating a hypothesis for yourself and then testing your theory testing your theory out to see if it's actually true so step two is all about identifying organizations and when people think about that they get really really caught up they get really caught up about okay well how do i do that like how do i how do i begin identifying organizations because i want to cut right to the one organization that perfectly fits all right how do i do that let me add it let me add it let me add it let me add it and it, it doesn't really work like that so here's here's specifically how to do it at least the steps that are common to everybody and it's it is not a straight line path which is part of what can make this difficult and people want an instant result here and you need to refrain from the the instant result 
instant results will lead you back to nowhere. They'll lead you back to square one. So you're not looking for the instant result. So here's, here's the how. Start with what you know. Start with what you know. For example, if you know within your ideal career profile that you want to be able to travel while working and that you value having people that trust you to get the work done, well, guess what? If that's, if that's one small piece of the puzzle, then you could probably make the assumption that, okay, that means then, of course, and this is where you have to use critical thinking a little bit, that means that you know that you can't always be at the office and that the organization needs to run in a way that empowers its people, right? Like one, if you use a little bit of critical thinking, means you need to have the other to some degree. And you might start by researching organizations that offer remote work or a distributed workforce because those types of organizations are probably going to have a much higher tolerance for uh, you traveling while you're working and not require you to be there sitting at a desk inside a cubicle on a particular computer for a particular period of time. Um, And they may and often do have a higher degree of trust because they're forced to when they're in a distributed workforce. Distributed meaning that it is... uh, the, the people that are in the organization are spread throughout, uh, throughout sometimes the globe, but you know, different cities, different areas. They're not all in the same office. That's all it means. Okay. So if that's the case, this of course means that I can Google remote work job sites or flexible work job sites or something else from there. I can, I can pop what I know into Google pretty easily and that becomes another place to start. Which then, if I do that, that pops up flexjobs.com or themuse.com and being able to search remote work on themuse.com. And then that's where I can start to get an idea of those companies that allow for that or condone that or that's actually even valuable to them. So that's a really, really, really basic example. But that process that I just went through, the starting with what you know, and taking a section of your ideal career profile and then drawing a conclusion for what you know, and you're taking it piece by piece, by the way, and then converting that over using that critical thinking to say, okay, what does that actually mean? What type of organization would support this? Well, okay. And then once I know that, that's where I can begin applying that in finding and identifying those organizations. So let's, let's say that that's, you know, something that I'm really interested in that remote work or being able to travel. And that's really, really important to me for one reason or another. And that's not the case for everybody. It's totally okay if it's not the case for you, but if it, if it is, then that means I can on flexjobs.com begin to go down and make a list of companies that appear to align with other pieces of my ideal work profile too, or ideal career profile as well. So once I have that, those are my hypothesis, right? I don't know for a fact, and that's okay. I don't know for a fact that these companies are actually and factually perfectly aligned with my ideal career profile. And that's not only okay, it's part of the part of the process here, but people really, really struggle with this. We, we find that we spent a lot of time helping people understand where to search and how to translate what they want into organizations that may offer that. And that's, that's a thing that comes up again and again and again in, 
in our, our programs for what we're spending our time helping people understand how to do that when we're coaching clients, um, on and on. Um, that's, that's an area that people really struggle with and it's, it's not easy, but, uh, but this is something we do every day. It's not something that most people are doing very frequently in their lives. The good news is once you start to get the hang of this, uh, this applies to other areas too. Once you can then think critically about what you want and then where and how you might get what you want, that translates into other areas of your life as well, not just your career, but being able to understand and then devise a way to be able to go after what it is that's important to you um, in a way that's feasible and tangible, et cetera, et cetera. So um, out of all this though, once you once you identify this initial list of companies that appear to align, that's where you get to begin testing your theory, right? Okay, so there's a variety of different ways to do this, but one of my absolute favorite, one of my absolute favorite, because it works for so many different people, is just simply reaching out to companies that you think might fit this. And we call this the test drive method. And you might've heard of informational interviews, right? A lot of people have heard of informational interviews. Informational interviews are where you schedule an interview with the company, you go in, sometimes the companies initiate this and you go in and often you know, have coffee or whatever else. You bring along your resume and you ask a bunch of questions about the company. Okay, that is great. And informational interviews are good. And I have, I know a ton of people that have gotten jobs or informational interviews have led to jobs for them, but I prefer a slightly different method. And the test drive method is, is one of, one of those particular things or one example of, of this. So the biggest difference in the test drive method versus informational interviews is that you're not there to get a job. Biggest reason it's different is you are not there to get a job. Let me say it a third time just because <laughs> that is shocking to people is what I found. It's like, of course I'm there to get a job. No, you're not. You're not there to get a job. You're not there to get a job at all for a whole variety of different reasons. But the biggest one is you don't even know if you want to work for this organization yet. You have this hypothesis, but you haven't validated and you're in the process of testing your theory about whether or not this organization actually aligns. So why on earth would you be there to get a job before you know whether or not it actually fits you and what you want and all of those things that we just talked about and all those pieces of your ideal career profile. And we're not necessarily looking for a hundred percent out of a hundred percent match here. We're looking for like an 80% out of a hundred percent match to be able to give us the indication that we should keep going and it's worth spending the time continuing to get to know this organization and the people in it, right? Okay, so you are instead there to find out more and learn about either the people within that organization that can um, that can help you understand different roles, different pieces of the organization, uh, and your sole goal in this case is to be able to learn about them and that organization because as soon as you're as soon as they perceive that you are there to get a job then very often what happens is they've got they've got places for that they send you to HR 
they send you to other places. They say, you know what? I can't help you. We're not hiring right now because if you're there to get a job, then they're going to do what they already know to how to do within the social norms for that organization. Cause they've got ways to handle that. And instead I want you again, they're asking for their opinions, which that's a different thing. If I'm after your, your opinions, your advice, your story, um, what, what information about the organization, then that's something that I can actually provide to you. There might not be a specific way to handle that in that particular organization. So that's, that's something that is outside those, those social norms. So that's one of many reasons why this can be a much more effective way. But ultimately, if you're asking for a job, it's like asking for marriage on the first date. And the second that you do that, you show up and you're sitting, I don't know, let's say you're out on a date, you're at the, at the dinner table and you just finish your appetizer, you put down your fork and you're like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good about this. Uh, what do you say we go ahead and get married? Like, how about that? Okay, so at that point, the date is probably over. <laughs> if it's not over, there's not going to be a second date, right? Like, they, it rarely would that ever lead. Very, very rarely is that ever going to lead to immediate marriage, right? Because you don't even know the person, and they don't even know you. And and for all of the same reasons, why on earth would you do that if you are just getting to know this organization? And if by some miracle that does lead to getting you a job immediately, uh, which I've seen cases where that has been, uh, that has happened, then it's probably not going to be a good fit. Probably not going to be a good fit, or at least you don't know that it'll be. Okay. So, um, much the same way as if you got married after that first date, there's probably a whole bunch you don't know about that person. Now, let me, let me give an example of, of a totally different place where this same type of philosophy works, you know, and you might already know this if, if you've listened to this, the show, or you're familiar with our company at all, but my coaches and my team, we do what we call help calls all the time. And we get on the phone and we try and figure out how we can help you, which is different than getting on the phone to sell you something completely different, completely different. And, and everybody's had a bad sales experience, right? Everybody's had a bad sales experience where, um, well, think about bad sales because bad sales feels like you're getting pushed into something that you don't need or don't want. It's misaligned, right? It doesn't, it doesn't flow. It feels inorganic. Uh, all of your alerts go off in your head. It doesn't feel right for a variety of reasons. So, um, instead when we get on with the intention, with the intention to simply help people, very often those people turn into customers of ours, but we're not there to sell them something. That's not our job. Our job is to help them. And we know, um, you know, we've got lots of numbers to support that when we do that, when we're legitimately trying to help people in whatever way that we can, we can help them. Then very often those people come back around or inquire about what other, other types of services that, uh, that we offer or, you know, ask how we can help further or a whole variety of different things, but a huge percentage of, of people that we talk to and try to help turn into customers. And we see that again and again and again. And it's the same way 
for when you're contacting these organizations and you're beginning to test your hypothesis. The second you are there to get a job, then it's it feels like bad sales almost. It, it feels like you're asking for something that is misaligned. It feels like you're being pushy. It feels like, um, I don't know, insert bad thing here, right? Instead, if you're there to ask their advice, if you're there to um, learn more about them, if you are genuinely curious and want to know more about them and their organization, which is what I want you to be, and it's hard to fake genuine, genuine curiosity, then that's where it very often turns in to opportunities that other people won't get. You know, just, just like very often, you know, when, when my coaches jump on the phone and we genuinely try and help people, very often those people end up buying from us somewhere along the way, right? Same, same deal here. Those people end up buying from you, if you will, because you're there expressing genuine interest. And people know genuine interest. You know genuine interest when, when you see it. You you've got a BS indicator. You got a radar that goes off when you're like, this person's not being genuine. This person's being fake. Um, we've we've all got that built in, right? Okay. So there's some of the the biggest reasons why something like this is much more effective. And the secret behind the secret, if you will, is that you have to be genuine about it. Um, meaning you have to legitimately be going to them to learn. You have to be legitimately going to them to test your theory. Now there's a variety of ways that this can happen. Let me give you a couple of, of examples too. You can go in and you can give them a call, give a person there that has a job that you think is really interesting in that organization. And you can give them a call and say, Hey, you know what? I am going to make a career change here at some point in the future. And I was really interested in your organization, but I saw you found you on LinkedIn and I was really interested in your job and what it is that you do. And I just realized, I think that I know a lot about it, but I'm not sure exactly. So I'm wondering if you and I could schedule 15 minutes sometime where I could ask you some questions about your job and the company that you work with and find out a little bit more about it. And it can be that easy. And that's just one, one method. We teach a lot of different types of scripts for this to make it easy on people. But that's one example of, of a script that we use to be able to genuinely learn more about that person in their organization. And first of all, and another reason why this works, and there's a ton of reason to support this. In fact, I'll give you one of those examples. Um, Felix, and I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, or not, but Felix Oberhorzer G, I think, I think was his name. And I believe he's with, with Harvard was where, where he did some of the research at. He was, he was starting to think about a slightly different problem. And he was thinking about waiting in line. And in fact, I think he was, when he came up with this idea, he was waiting in line at the airport and he ended up deciding to conduct a field experiment to explore uh, this this issue of waiting in line, particularly if he approached people in lines and offered a cash payment, would people allow him to cut in line or take their place in line? And would the would he was curious? One, would the bribe be accepted, and how much would it cost to actually jump that to that place in the queue? 
And um, what I was really interested in this and what caught my my interest was how much do social norms and a sense of fairness and how much do them wanting to help actually play into this in allowing or not allowing people to cut in line or to take this abnormal action, if you will. And as uh, first of all, as, as you might expect, that the more that they were able to offer, the more money they were able to offer, the more likely people were to allow them. But here's here's what was the really, really, really surprising piece of, of this experiment. Line holders would allow you to cut in line, but most would not accept the cash. Most of them would just flat out would refuse the cash. So what they derived from this was that uh, people would allow cuts if they perceived that the person who needed to cut in line has a real need, whatever they consider to be a real need to actually save that time. And, and a lot of people really felt like they couldn't exploit that situation that they legitimately wanted to help. So uh, this is the same reason why when you ask for help, and you ask in a genuine way and they perceive it to be genuine. That's, I guess, the most important part. They perceive to be, it to be a real need that's going to help you. Most people are willing to say yes. Most people are willing to say yes. And part of that is social norm. Part of that is people feel good about helping other people. And in addition, when you're taking a genuine interest in somebody else, that's actually a gift in itself that most people don't realize. So there's a variety of reasons why that that works. And that's really, at the end of the day, all you're doing is asking for help and taking a genuine interest in, in somebody else. And any way, that, any way that you say that, as long as they perceive those two things, we've found um, that most people, as in over half, generally we find someplace between 50 and 70%, depending on the situation, um, will say yes say yes to helping you in some way. They'll either spend a little bit of time with you. They'll give you information. They will, um, you know, offer to connect you with other people. There's a, there's a variety of ways that that can happen. Okay. So here's, once you do this, once you actually get on the phone with somebody, let's say that you go and you have this conversation and you can make a list of questions in advance that you are legitimately interested in learning. And you can just be able to ask those questions and have a conversation with them. It doesn't have to be rapid fire question answering or anything like that, but it can just be a conversation with you and that other person. Will they share about their role or about the other organization, the piece of their organization or that you're, that you're interested in or anything else that you're interested in learning. And then after you do that, the weird thing is you've now begun a relationship with them. You've now begun a relationship. So at that point in time, <laughs> uh, you can do a lot of different things. As soon as you have that relationship, I would advise you to continue that relationship. And, you know, I've had people turn into mentors before, and that's a possibility. That's a way that, you know, that can be helpful. And then they can, they can be an asset for you in either understanding how to, how to break into other organizations or, um, giving you advice or career help or a number of other things too. Um, it, but also, once you have that relationship, that's where you then have the ability to ask for introductions to other people, to continue exploring, uh, 
or and, and that might be other companies, right? Or you can ask for introductions or advice on how to get employed by their company. If you find, if you get on, you know, second date or third date or whatever else and find that, hey, this is this is a company I want to continue to learn about and find out if I actually want to want to be here, work here, etc. So those those are several different ways. And it only happens, you only get the ability to ask that and have it more likely to where they're thrilled to pieces to be able to help you after you have established that relationship. Okay, so that's that's how a lot of this stuff ends up building on each other. And this doesn't just apply to getting a job. I find that these same types of both psychology and same type of approaches work in a lot of different ways. I mean, we just use several different examples, right? And you know, one was a scientific study, one's uh, some of our experience within our company. And and I've seen a lot of experience, or a lot of, I've had a lot of experiences in my life where I found that to be true as well, just in applying it. Okay, so that's that's how this can work. And this is, this is kind of a um, different way than most people are, are thinking about it. And this is, this is something that we've embedded into a number of our programs. Career Change Bootcamp is, is one of them. And this is what we teach our coaching clients, uh, our students, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted you to be able to understand how this can work. We also have a variety of other scripts and a variety of other, other tactics and other approaches and different ways to do this in different situations. But ultimately, the biggest thing I want you to take away is I want you to go on the shortest path for your particular type of career change and what you want, which means, of course, that you have to follow these these three steps to some degree, which is identifying what are you what you want and what's going to be good for you in this ideal career profile, and then figuring out and and building out a hypothesis for what that can look like and the best way to get there. And then that's where you want to identify that hypothesis, whether it's building relationships in this way, whether it is um, identifying other ways in that, uh, that might be much more effective. Um, it is also then allowing you to go and test those hypotheses. So those, those are the biggest three, three pieces. So hopefully that gives you a, an idea of how this can look. Uh, that's that's my hope here. And if you've got questions on this, don't hesitate to contact us. Don't hesitate to let us know. This is what we do and what we love to do. And we'd be thrilled to pieces to be able to help you in any way. And whether it's getting on the phone with you and, and trying to offer help or you sending us an email and you know, us trying to respond and, and connect you with our free stuff or our programs or whatever else, do not hesitate to reach out. One of the saddest things I think in the world is when, um, when people don't take advantage of the help that's right in front of them and experience a ton of pain because they don't want to ask or because they don't want to take the time or perceive that it's not actually there. We're here to be able to help in, in any way that, uh, that makes sense for you. Um, completely different episode. Let me know what you think. I would be really, really interested to hear what uh, what you think. Uh, and if you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed more of this very specific how-to content, then we can absolutely do more. Otherwise, 
for any of the things that we mentioned here, including some of the studies and the links and resources, you can go over to happenedyourcareer.com slash 168. That's happenedyourcareer.com slash 168 and be able to find all of those things right built into the blog post that's on that page, including being able to have a transcript of, uh, of this show and be able to subscribe right to the right to the podcast. Hey, thank you so very much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and making the time. And I wanted to give you a taste of what we've got coming up next week on Happen Your Career. To hire him for mentoring, it was like half a million dollars or something, right? So I just did not have access to that kind of money at the time. And so I really started getting really creative with it and thinking, well, what could I do in order to get closer to this person? At first, actually, they said, sorry, there's no positions available. I said, I'll work for free. Just let me in the doors. So sure enough, I was with them for about eight months. All right. All that and more next week on HDYC. We will see you on the flip side next week. Thank you so very much for spending your time with us. I really, really appreciate it. Our team really appreciates it, and we'd love to be able to help you any way that we possibly can. All right, we'll see you later. In the meantime, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you get this in your sleep and you don't even have to think about it. Adios. I'm out. (laughs) 